Welcome to the Dr. Gabrielle Lyon Show, where I believe a healthy world is based on transparent conversations. In today's episode, I sit down with my good friend, Lewis Howes. Lewis is a New York Times bestselling author, keynote speaker, and industry-leading show host. Today, I turned the tables on Lewis. He is sitting in the interviewee chair. I was able to sit down and talk to him about what makes a great mind. He has the School of Greatness, which is one of the top podcasts in the world, with over 500 million downloads. He was recognized by the White House and President Obama as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in the country under 30. Howes is a two-sport All-American athlete, former professional football player, and member of the USA men's national handball team. Lewis is one-of-a-kind individual, incredibly present, gracious, and really wants to leave a legacy of making the world a better place. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, share, rate it. We will be picking one review, one five-star review every episode to highlight. This means a lot to me, guys. I really want to share the message of the trans parent conversations that we're having, and you are the ones that make that possible. Let's jump in. I'm super excited to share with you one of the sponsors of the show, and that is Timeline Nutrition. I'm totally hooked on it. It's called MitoPure. Why do I love MitoPure? It's important to understand that the human body is an energy generating machine, and the majority of the human body is water, but it's also muscle. And when you think about muscle, you have to think about mitochondria, that as we age, mitochondria density has the propensity to decrease. Mitochondria is what gives us energy. It is our energy generators. It can become damaged, making it harder to produce the robust response in life that we need to feel our best. MitoPure helps our mitochondria produce energy more efficiently by triggering our body's natural cellular renewal process, replacing damaged mitochondria with fresh new ones and addressing the energy challenges at its source. Timeline Nutrition is one of the most thoroughly researched products with over a decade of peer-reviewed published science. You guys know that I'm committed to never bringing you something I personally A, don't take or don't believe in. Timeline Nutrition is a product that I stand by. Timeline is offering my community 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash DrLion and use the code to get 10% off. Again, that's TimelineNutrition.com slash Dr. Lion. If I were to recommend you try one new product in the next couple months, it is this. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It's really important that you have someone that you can talk to in general in life. Oftentimes as a physician, I hear a lot about what's going on in people's lives and it is sacred and important. I also know how valuable it is for an individual to be able to talk about what is going on as it relates to stress and family and finances. Really, that's just how our brain works. I've always encouraged people to get help. And one way you can get help is through better help. That's H-E-L-P. Better help is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. If you are a listener of mine, you'll get 10% off your first month. Go to betterhelp.com slash Dr. Lion. There's no trophy for suffering. 
It's really important to show up for your family and yourself and be your own best friend. The only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you take care of the mental aspects of your life, and it's nearly impossible to do on your own. There are plenty of ways to get support. I strongly recommend heading on over to betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P, and get better. Lewis Howes, <laughs> how does it feel to be on the other side of the table? It feels very good. Yeah, it feels peaceful. Oh. It only took me 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, your book, The Greatness Mindset, you got your first copy. This is your only yeah. hard copy. My only hard copy. Yesterday. Yeah. I got it yesterday. On my 10-year anniversary of the School of Greatness podcast. That's incredible. Yeah, thanks. I loved this book. Thank you. And uh, when I was reading it, again, it was so interesting. You've had and sat down with all these amazing people mm -hmm. that have really culminated and impacted you to develop this mindset. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to read this dedication of the book because I think it's really powerful. Okay. The, this is from you, actually. Mm -hmm. I dedicated this book to my younger self mm -hmm. for having the courage to carry me through pain, my current self for facing my shame and learning how to heal and my future self, because the journey to greatness has only just begun. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Thanks. That's how I feel. And I, I think um, I was I was kind of debating if I should even do that dedication because I was like, uh, is it too much about me? Right? Is this is like too much about me? But I think we actually don't acknowledge how far we've come. Mm -hmm. We usually discount our past of not doing enough or we beat ourselves up for the shame, the guilt, the insecurities that we had. And I think it's the only way we can step into fully having peace and harmony and alignment inside of us, and therefore creating our destiny is by having peace with our past and actually celebrating the younger boy or girl inside of us that had to overcome the different challenges. Mm -hmm. And so I used to always beat myself up and be insecure or be regretful about things that I did or didn't do as a kid. And now I realize that <clears throat> that was only holding me back today. It was only creating more suffering inside of me. And so once I started to mend the relationship with my past, that's when I started to feel a lot more peace. And why this book, <clears throat> the mindset component? I, I just felt like this is the book I wish I had when I was 15, 21, 30. Um, and it's the book I'm glad that I have for myself now. My podcast started as a, <clears throat> a journey to give myself what I needed in the moment. Mm. That's why I cover topics like relationships because I've struggled in relationships, money, mindset, spirituality, health and wellness. It's like I'm always seeking the wisdom for me and then hopeful, hoping that other people need you know the wisdom just like I do. And so this is the book that I wish I had 10 years ago when I started. And it's the book that... I'll just keep going back to for myself. So it's not about me, it's about everything I've learned from the different experts and my mistakes and lessons and how I would do it differently moving forward. So a lot of people have asked me how to really get clear on their vision. They've asked me how to overcome self-doubt and how I've done it. They've asked me how to create and set clear goals that support them. Um, they asked me about the definition of greatness versus success. And so I just wanted to give it in a clear step-by-step -step approach backed by all these different experts from different walks of life who support each um, element 
and then just make it as simple as possible for people to consume. Yeah. Uh, well, you did a beautiful job. Yeah. It's really interesting. There's a lot of things I love about you. And one thing I really, really appreciate is your humility. Mm -hmm. And that is very rare as an individual who is so much in the public eye and so much out there giving. Mm. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, with greatness and where you've come, you have to go through periods of weakness mm. to ultimately become great. Do you feel now where you are that there has been periods of weakness, perhaps with all the success where you're sitting now, or do you feel that you've really overcome great challenges and now mm. you're in a place where you're able to coast? Um, I think every season has different challenges that we're faced with in life. And for me, there's lot. There's been lots of challenges over the last 10 years specifically in the journey of this, uh, the podcast and kind of this season of life. There's been lots of things that have been weaknesses for me. And that's why in the book, I talk about creating a fear list. And, and the fear list is really to reflect on where these weaknesses are and realize the deficiencies inside us or around us and how we can maximize them. I think we each have a lot of different powers, assets, talents, gifts, and then we have different fears based on the season of life. I don't know about you, um, but I'm kind of scared to be a dad. You know, I'm scared to step into that season sometime in the future. I'm excited and scared at the same time. I don't know if you were like, I, I know exactly how to be a mom. Like, I, I'm going to be perfect at it. It's going to be easy. Like, I have zero fear. But it's stepping into a new season. There's going to be different challenges to overcome. And for me, I've had a lot of weaknesses. I still know that I have a lot of them. And I just keep focusing on the mission. What is the mission that I have? How can I overcome my fears in every season to support getting closer to that mission? And so it's, it's not thinking that I've got it all figured out. It's actually saying, okay, I feel confident of everything I've overcome from childhood to now and the skills I've developed and the things I've been afraid of and now and no longer in fear of those things. But now they're assets. But there will be new challenges that come mm -hmm. up. And how do I step into those new challenges with more peace and confidence? That's the key. Mm. Um, you know, in the book, you go through, there's a whole, there's really three main parts mm. of the book. There's uh, the baseline assessment, and then there's the challenges mm -hmm. that you go through, whether it's self-doubt or judgment. Yep. Um, and then there's the end, what you need to do, right? How do you create a schedule? How do you go through yes. and identify your heroes? In terms of all of those, I don't want to say roadblocks, but potential roadblocks mm -hmm. to greatness, is there one that you really identify with? Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's figuring out which one of your fears makes you doubt yourself the most. And I talked about the three different fears, the doubt diagram, the, the fear of failure, success, and judgment. For me, I was never afraid of success or failure because I understood as an athlete, that failure was the process to accomplishing your goals. It was the process, it was the price of admission for success. You fail along the way. Um, so coaches never said you can't fail, you must be perfect. They would teach and give feedback when you drop the ball, when you miss the shot. And they would say, great effort, <clears throat> great job, keep going. But here's how you need to adjust it. And so it was never a bad thing to fail. It was encouraged to work hard and give effort. Success is what I wanted, but a lot of people are afraid of sex, success because of the pressure and the weight of gold, the weight of success. 
um, leaving the tribe, people wanting more from them, people judging them because of their success, wanting money from them, whatever it might be, the responsibility of being on top can be a lot for people. And they may not be able to know how to handle that. But for me, I always wanted it. So I kind of craved success, but for selfish reasons. Judgment was the thing that I had to overcome the most. The opinions of other people, specifically in intimacy, this was my biggest challenge. This was my biggest weakness. I could handle, eventually, the judgments of other people in business or online or friends or family. But in intimacy, I struggled the most. And it wasn't until the last few years when I really was able to heal and mend wounds that caused me to be weak in that in those moments of intimacy. Um, so that was the thing that has been kind of the final thing that I've had to learn how to heal and, and process and integrate in intimate relationships. And I was just telling you before we got on camera about how it feels really peaceful once I've been able to overcome that, once I've been able to, to make that happen. But it took 30, you know, seven years until I was able to start processing that weakness. I was able to process other weaknesses from my past, but not that one. Um, so for me, and I think that's a big one for a lot of people, the, the fear of judgment, the fear of other people's opinions that holds them back. And sometimes you hear people say, I don't care what anyone thinks. And they get shut off and they say, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. But really, they care what everyone thinks. And they're putting on a good front. But they care so much that they act that like they don't care. And so it's learning how to navigate with, okay, I want to add value to other people. And if I'm, all, if I'm in alignment with my highest self, then I can't please everyone, and that's okay. So it's having acceptance, but also knowing that you're here to be of service to others also. But that was the biggest weakness for me, the fear of judgment. And I think when we can identify which fear we have the most, then we can start to address it, implement different practices to support us in overcoming it. Yeah, that's interesting because it wasn't the fear of, I didn't hear you say that it was a fear of judgment of other people, mm. right? It's not, I mean, again, mm. you are on social media. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, probably it's much different than it was 10 years ago. It's different. It used to be a fear of other people when I got started in business because I could not handle a negative tweet or a negative review. I would obsess over trying to like reply to all these negative comments and get people to understand me. Or, or I was like, oh, you misinterpreted this. Here's what I meant. And I realized that's like a waste of energy. And a coach of mine saw this like eight years ago as I was getting started kind of in this whole space. He, he saw me leave reply to like a negative comment on my blog. And he called me and he said, what are you doing? Why are you defending yourself? He goes, this is wasted energy. And you're bringing attention and energy to the negativity by defending yourself mm -hmm. and trying to make them wrong and make you right. It's like, you need to let this go. The bigger you get, the more you're gonna get of this. You just need to either say nothing at all or say thank you for the feedback, period. And that's it. And I started to really practice that. It took a while to integrate it where where you gotta learn how to be like, okay, I'm not gonna take this personally and I don't like this, but I just started seeing it and said, where's the feedback in here that can support my growth? Is there something that really lands with me or is it just a negative comment because they're upset? And I really started to see that. And I started to notice, I would get comments on YouTube from people that would be like, oh, you're interrupting too much. And if you hear it once, 
maybe it's just about them. But if you hear from a lot of different people, you're like, okay, maybe there's some feedback here that I get to look in the mirror and say, how can I be a better interviewer? And I still interview, uh, I still interrupt a lot, but it's, I'm mindful of it. And I'm like, okay, how can I just improve a little bit every time and not take it personally? But it was the, um, so I started to learn how to overcome that. How long did that take? How long do you think that took? Probably was a process of a couple of years until I finally was like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid of. And, and a lot of it tied back into speaking in public because I used to get laughed at when I would speak aloud in front of my class, uh, in front of a classroom, right? When I was a kid, so I was just terrified of the humiliation from my peers and being picked on and made fun of. So it just all tied back to those kind mm. of wounds that I didn't didn't heal yet. And I called him a couple of years after this, this coach when I was giving a speech and I was like, okay, I've been speaking publicly for, I don't know, 10 years at this point, which it was a big fear early on. Then I got better at speaking, but I'd still get nervous before I would get on stage. And I remember calling him before I got on stage. And I'm like speaking in front of like 10,000 people one day and I'm getting paid a lot of money and people are excited to see me speak. But I was like, why am I still nervous? And so I called him right before the speech. I go, I don't understand this. I've been practicing this for 10 years. I felt like if I overcame the fear. I learned how to speak. You know, I did it every week for a year. I went to a public speaking class. Uh, I'm getting paid to speak now. Like, I sh- why am I still nervous? And he said, it's simple. You still care about, you know, you're still thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about others. You're thinking about how you look and trying to look good as opposed to being of service. And if you can get on stage and know you're not going to be perfect, know that you're going to forget a joke that you wanted to say, know that you stumbled on a word or something, know that you're not going to be perfect with your pauses or whatever it might be, know that you might get distracted if someone's on their phone and be frustrated. If you accept yourself knowing you're not going to be perfect and you're never to give a perfect speech and you just think about how can I serve everyone there or one person, you will be less nervous. And I started practicing that and that's like a mantra that I have now before I get on a stage, mm. like it's not about me, it's not about me, it's about everyone here and how can I serve one person who needs this message? And if I can connect with one person on what they really need right now and just speak into their heart and their soul as opposed to try to look funny, interesting, smart or talented, then I'll come across as a lot more genuine and I'll probably look more smart, talented and, and all these other things and funny by serving. And so I just flipped the energy of, and I think for a long time, I was like, I hope I do a good job and I hope people like it. And now I'm just like, I hope I can give a message that helps people. And it makes me feel a lot more at peace. So that was a way of letting go of the fear of judgment from public speaking, from podcasting, Mm -hmm. business. But in the intimacy, it was tricky because I was so afraid of having the person that I care about and love not like me or judge me. And so I would abandon myself over and over again in relationships and try to make them happy. And instead, um, actually do what I authentically thought I was supposed to do. So the more I would abandon myself, the more I, the more and more I wouldn't accept myself because I was becoming someone I didn't want to be to please one human being. Mm. So that's why for me, it just became clear. I needed to heal those wounds that caused me to want to people please one person at a time and focus on how can I rather try to please one person and instead heal and accept and please myself and be aligned with the other person 
And that's been a huge shift for me. And so it's been a beautiful and painful journey to get there. Do you know where that came from? I'm sure it just came from a, a number of instances of never feeling enough, you know, and always feeling scared as a kid. So, and that's why at the root of all three of these fears is I am not enough. You know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. It's the narrative. Yeah, exactly. It's whatever is underneath it. And so that was my story. And so I had to go back and heal those wounds and rewrite the stories that told me I wasn't enough and actually create different meaning. You know, I love Viktor Frankl's I do too. Yeah. Man's Search for Meaning because I just found meaning in all of my deficiencies and insecurities from the past. I found why they needed to happen as opposed to why is it happening to me in a negative way, but why they needed to happen in order for me to be able to serve the way I'm doing now. And if they all these things didn't happen, I would not care about people. I would not care to serve. I would not care to make, you know, do an interview show for 10 years to put the light on others. You know, I would have been doing things differently. I would have just focused on how do I make as much money as possible or whatever, you know, or look at me. And so. Has that always been a focus? I mean, greatness is not by accident. Mm -hmm. And it it's so fascinating to see someone who has spent 10 years. You haven't changed the trajectory of mm -hmm. what you've provided for the world. And that's unusual. Yeah. And it's also really unusual that it isn't about you. It's been very much in service of others yeah you know i mean first of all where does that come from um it probably comes from a number of things one probably feeling like i wasn't smart enough to be have like my own show is like okay what am i actually gonna say you know 10 years ago i knew i had talent in terms of like online marketing and starting a business from scratch because i did that for five years and got to a certain level but I wasn't on like Mark Cuban's level or something. So in, in a lot of ways, there's always different levels. But in my little niche, like I'd become known in a little niche and had accomplished some results. But I didn't, it just didn't feel authentic to me to host a show 10 years ago that was my name as me as the expert. I really said to myself, okay, I'm about to, I was 29 when I launched it. I was about to turn 30. And I was like, I have so much to learn. I have so much to learn. And I actually know nothing. I thought, my, my ego thought I knew everything, but I actually don't know anything. And so that's why the journey started. And it started as a, a one-year experiment. I was like, let me try this for a year. No one even knows what a podcast is. It's wild. I, I don't even know if anyone's gonna listen because when you say podcast, people never heard the word back then in 2012 when I was thinking about it. And um, I was like, let me just try it for a year. And I'm not trying to make money. I just wanna do it because I'm interested in people and I wanna learn. And I want to share the wisdom when I'm learning with others. So that's how it began. And then it just grew from there. You know, sitting and interviewing all these people, which you were talking about, that they are experts in their field. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time, you know, and <clears throat> this book is really all about the mindset. Mm -hmm. And when I picked it up, it was just serendipitous mm -hmm. that the first chapter is our mutual friend, Jason Redman, uh -huh. who I messaged you and I said, well, you know, Jason is Team 10 One Troop, which is the, yeah. same, which is the same as my husband, which... Yes. You have to understand that's very uh, rare uh -huh. because there's so many. You have a lot of, actually, I shouldn't even say a lot, a handful of experts in this book mm -hmm. from Gabby Bernstein mm -hmm. to Jason Redman, Rich Devinney. Sitting on the other side, was there a moment in any of those conversations? I'm sure there was many, but 
Do you feel that there was any moment that really kind of changed the trajectory of the way in which you were thinking? Just an aha moment where you couldn't unsee or、mm. unlearn what was just presented. From from the last ten years, any yeah, any ten years, or, the book.、Uh, there was a moment, <clears throat> all, almost two years ago, because for five years I've wanted to write this book. I didn't have the fear of writing a book. I'd already written two of them, but I knew something was off inside of me that I could not put this book out until I figured out what that was. So for five years I was researching. Five years I was taking notes. Five years I was studying it. I was asking questions for the book. I was at, interviewing everyone because I because I wanted to ask people about self doubt, people at the top of their game, how they overcame self doubt. Because I believe self doubt is the killer of dreams. When we doubt ourselves, it's really hard to take action. It's really hard to believe that we are capable of taking action and deserving of the results that we get. Or if we get the results. We we we、um, sabotage ourselves because we're doubting still, and we don't deserve it. So I believe self doubt is is the thing that holds us back the most. And when we can learn how to overcome it authentically, then I think we can step into greatness fully. And so for me, it was almost two years ago. <clears throat> I was in、uh, a relationship that wasn't in alignment with my values, my vision, and my lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with the person I was in a relationship with. It was my decision to be in it. It was my decision to stay in it when I was suffering, and I could have gotten out at any moment, but I chose not to because I was wounded, and I wanted to please one person and try to make them happy. And I realized that wasn't possible. Which is noble, though. You try to as an athlete. You like say, "Well, I'm、right. going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to work hard. I'm not、right. going to give up. I'm not going to quit. What can I do? How can I shift? How can I make you happy? What you know? What can I sacrifice to support you?" But in reality, I just got in. Into the relationship for the for the wrong reasons,、uh, and again, this was a pattern with almost every relationship before this too. Just romantic relationships. Romantic relationships, right? So it was based on a wound that I would enter unconsciously. I wasn't even aware. So I had to at this point. I said, "Okay, the common denominator is me. So there's a weakness and something inside of me that keeps choosing these types of scenarios in my life that do not support me."、Um, And they actually take a lot of energy away from me, for my mission. So I, at this point, I felt like, okay, I keep repeating this pattern, and I'm hurting the ability to serve more people. So I was clear on my mission, but my energy was low a lot. I felt like I was a six or a seven out of ten almost every day, and I was still delivering results and showing up the best I could. But I knew, like, man, I'm just kind of a little dragging emotionally. And so I said, okay, listen, I'm gonna, you know, I, I said we got to go to therapy and figure this out because I want to make it work. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Let's do therapy, right? She didn't want that,、um, but I was like, this has to happen, otherwise we need we're, we're not going to be together. And so she agreed, and I said, I told the the, the therapist we met, I said,、um, I want to do this every week until I figure out the solution. I want peace, freedom, and clarity in my life because I don't have any of it right now. Peace, freedom, and clarity, specifically in the relationship, and、um, and I don't feel that. I had a lot of pain in my chest, like emotionally, like a ball. And I felt like clenched in my throat. And I and every time I'd meet with her, she said, "What's your intention for this session?" I said, "Peace, freedom, and clarity. Peace, freedom, and clarity." And so for five months, we were working almost every week, multiple hours a week, 
individually and then together in the relationship. And it was one moment in an individual session where I had this aha moment, the ball of pain that was in my chest in a moment like disintegrated and I started to feel like the pain like go through my body and like into peace, freedom and clarity. It was like a moment. It took five months of lessons, reflection, exercises, like challenging beliefs, healing the past until that moment happened. But then it all came together in one moment. And I remember thinking, huh, is this pain going to come back? And it, and it hasn't come back since then. And it's been it kind of a weird thing to talk about because I don't know how to explain it, except there was a ball of pain in my chest and then the ball of pain went away. And I had this pain off and on for most of my life. Like it would come and go. And um, I that's why I was like, okay, after the, you know, I got very clear in the next few weeks. And I was just like, okay. I'm not going to abandon myself in this relationship. So when something, when she wants, when she's causing stress and there's chaos, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to say, well, this is my value. This is what I can create. This is what I can do. This is what I'm not, what I'm not willing to do. She didn't like that. She didn't like when I wasn't willing to do something because I was always willing to say, okay, whatever makes you happy, like I'll do it. And so when I said, this is my vision, is having a conscious relationship, is having a conscious life, not a reactive life, not one where you're screaming at me. That doesn't serve the relationship anymore. Um, that's when it became clear, like, okay, this, this relationship is not in alignment with what you want and what I want. So I want the best for you and for me. Let's move on. And it's been very powerful stepping into peace, freedom, and clarity internally. And then making decisions and creating boundaries in a conscious way around me in intimacy and relationships. And by doing that, like once that ended, I had so much clarity, peace and freedom. I had so much energy that this book just kind of poured out of me because now I felt like, okay, I was able to unlock the thing inside of me that was causing me pain and suffering. I was able to unlock it to create peace. And I realized that's what everyone wants. They want peace. They want peace in their heart. And there was a process to creating that consistently that, again, I felt like I needed to go through a lot of pain and uncertainty and insecurity and self-doubt and mistakes and shame and things that I wasn't willing to forgive myself for in order to create the Greatness Mindset book because otherwise it wouldn't have been authentic. That's why I wasn't willing to write it. I wanted to write it, but I knew something was missing. And it wasn't until I unlocked it inside of me where I felt like I could share it authentically. That's, you know, it's, it's really noble. And it seems as if throughout your life, there's been flashes of insight. Because mm -hmm. what you're saying right now is a very evolved perspective mm. that perhaps wasn't there when you were younger. There. No way. I had, yeah, <laughs> no clue. No clue what I was doing. And, and a lot of ego thinking I had the answers, you know, when I was yeah. younger. Because I was getting results. Because I was able to have a goal and accomplish it. I was getting accolades. I was getting success. But when I would accomplish, I'd feel like more and more suffering inside. And I didn't understand. Why am I suffering? Why am I still angry and mad? Why do I still feel not feel good enough? Even though I'm accomplishing these things in sports and then business and then just going, going, going. Why do I still not feel enough? And I think there's a difference between success and greatness. Success 
is more of a selfish thing. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's more about what can I do for me? Greatness has to include others. And it can be just your friends and family and saying, how can I be generous, loving, kind? How can I look them in the eyes and be a good listener? How can I be uh, supportive? It doesn't have to be, I need to change the world, but how can you be a generous person to the people around you as you live your life? For me, that's greatness. It's including others. While you pursue your goals and dreams, you impact others around you in a positive way. Success, my definition now is more about how can I accomplish my goals and dreams for me to feel good alone? And again, I just think it's better to step into greatness, which has success inside of that as well. You're accomplishing success, but you're helping those around you on your journey. You know, your future children are going to be so lucky. <laughs> because they're going to have a great mom. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, can you imagine having learned these tools I wish. so much earlier? I wish. Um, yeah, that's why, that's why I wrote the book for me as a 15-year-old when I was struggling. Me as a 21-year-old, me as a 30-year-old. I was like, I wish I could just understand. But I wasn't willing to face these things inside of me because I felt like people don't get me. People don't understand me. So, you know, if you're not going to understand me, then don't talk to me. Don't try to change me. Um, I was really afraid to face the emotions. And I think men, men in general, specifically in America, have been trained and conditioned not to process their emotions in a healthy way. And I'm a big believer of the title of the book, The Body Keeps the Score, where it's like if you trap guilt, shame, resentment, anger, frustration, and you hold on to it emotionally, I feel like it will manifest physically in some way Definitely. unless you learn to release it. So I had a lot of different pains that I was holding on to that it was more I was upset with myself for abandoning me. It was never really about other people. It was about how I was able to interpret it and how I was unable to process it in a healthy way. Did you ever get to the point, you know, going through these layers, we're talking about it like it's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, it's so easy right. to have that experience, but oftentimes they're very painful and you have to rip off the band-aid. Horrible, horrible. Did you ever have a moment where you said, you know what, I'm out. This is, I, I'm just going to shelf this and mm. I'm not going to address it. No, I didn't because I had been shelving it for 35 years. Mm. And, um, and, and so in the last couple of years when I really like dove all in and I've been on a 10 year journey of healing. So after 10 years ago, I started the process with different workshops and therapies and exercises. And, you know, I've done med lots of meditation retreats have been to India and studied to be a meditation instructor and did Wim Hof training in Poland and the ice and mindset and breathing and, and physical activities. Uh, so I, I, I work out, which is therapy. It's like, I've done lots of different therapies to a process. But I think for me, I still, at the end of the day, didn't have total peace, freedom, and clarity. And I was like, man, I'm always gonna be a, a lesser version of my most authentic self until I can figure out how to get there. So once I came to that realization and realized the way I've been living has served me to a certain level, but in order to accomplish my meaningful mission, what I feel like I'm called to do for this season of life, I need to release and let go of certain things and step into a different version of myself. I need to become a different identity emotionally in order to impact and serve at a deeper level. And so 
as I started kind of this chapter of healing in the last few years, I was all in. I was like, I will do whatever it takes. I spent one Saturday and an eight hour therapy session on one Saturday. And I was like, I'm, I'm in it. Give it like an athlete training, <laughs> right, but right. an emotional, spiritual warrior. I was like, whatever it takes. Now, Special thank you to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode of the show. Why do you care about Inside Tracker? Well, it's inside your body. You're tracking what's happening. That means you are looking and identifying blood markers that need potential improvement. Again, you're not going to know what you don't look for. So getting blood work regularly is critical. We do that in the practice and Inside Tracker allows you to analyze your blood, DNA, fitness, tracking data. It identifies where you're optimized and most importantly, where you're not. You gotta plan for your weaknesses and ideally you'll catch them before they catch you. Head on over to insidetracker.com slash Dr. Lion for 20% off the entire store. Again, that's insidetracker.com slash Dr. Lion. You can check out what they have to offer. It really is an amazing service to be able to analyze what's happening in your blood and allows you to take control, which is critical, especially if you want to live a long, healthy life. Head on over to insidetracker.com slash Dr. Lion. And if you haven't pulled the trigger yet, it's time. Special thank you to First Form for sponsoring this episode of the show. And by the way, did you guys know that Lewis spent quite a bit of time in St. Louis and knows the crew at First Form very well? Today, I want to tell you about their Power Pro Bar chocolate mint cookie. You remember the Girl Scout cookies? Well, those really aren't that great for you. Try a Power Pro Bar. These are amazing. We have them at home. Chocolate mint cookie. We use them as snacks. They're whole food protein, 15 grams per bar. So again, this is not a full meal replacement. This is just a great snack if you are craving chocolate or cookies or those Girl Scout cookies that you shouldn't be eating. Head on over to firstform.com slash Dr. Lion and try the Power Pro bar. My current favorite is the chocolate mint cookie. You will love it. It tastes great. You travel well. Throw it in your bag. Throw it in your pocket. You might find it in a week. Uh, I know that I potentially not saying that I do or that I don't, but I might. And uh, I love them. They last. Head on over to firstform.com slash Dr. Lion and try these delicious, convenient bars. Whatever it takes to a certain level, because me, for me, I'm not a, I'm not a, I was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes naturally. I didn't want to do drugs or psychedelics for me personally, because I felt like I could get there emotionally because I was open and receptive. Mm. I was like, I'm willing I'll do anything you tell me to do. I'll practice anything. I'll do any type of visualization technique. Whatever you want to do, let's go. Okay. So I was open and willing to speak about anything, address anything, talk about anything, like pull out any suppressed feelings. Whatever it was, I was willing. And that worked for me. So that's what I was willing to do. Have you always been so driven? Yes. But I was driven for the wrong reasons most of my life. It was to prove people wrong because I felt judged by everyone. So I said, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Which again, that fuel is the second most powerful fuel in the world, What's proving the people wrong. The first is, is, is lifting others up and proving yourself right and not proving others wrong. But saying, I'm on a mission to serve, to serve my mission inside of me of what I'm called to do, what I feel like is drawing me out in the world and to really solve problems in the world and lift others up. So just a small task. Yeah, exactly. 
But it just, I mean, again, and that doesn't have to be some grandiose thing, but I think just being the best version of yourself and calling out the people around you and calling them up is better than proving them wrong. Nothing happens good at the end of the day once you've proven someone wrong. And, and, and I get the mentality of it, like, you know, have a chip on your shoulder and prove people wrong. I get it. As an athlete, that's the way I lived. And it felt good. And it drove me. Right. And you will see athletes who get, you know, the last pick in the draft or undrafted or whatever, who hold on to it for decades and it, they create incredible results. You know, Super Bowl world champions and top of the game and big contracts. But if they have a broken family or if they're, you know, hurting themselves emotionally or they lose their friendships mm -hmm. or whatever, okay, then is it really the best thing for you at, when you're not living in harmony? So it's just... It's nothing right or wrong here, good or bad. It's just, what is it we truly want and can we have it all? And do you believe we can? I think we can, yeah. Because I think you have a lot more renewable energy when you're doing it from a place of love and proving yourself right and doing it because you love the thing you're doing and you want to help others versus I want to prove people wrong. It's a lonely game, proving people wrong. Sure. And I lived that game for a long time, so I know, because I felt very lonely. And it's a taking energy. It's it's never something that really moves the needle. Exactly. In any kind of legacy. Exactly. Now that you've, you know, you've stepped into embodying this mm -hmm. greatness mindset, mm -hmm. do you feel when you are out of alignment with what your true mission is from a moment-to-moment -moment basis? I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. If I'm like, oh, no, I need to go have this conversation. Uh, this feels uncomfortable. Okay, I got to go lean into this. I can't avoid it anymore. So it's you got to step into a different type of leader for yourself. Where I used to maybe avoid things or put things off or get frustrated with things. It's like, okay, let me address these things and let me figure out where this is coming from. And again, the only way this works for me moving forward is if I continue to implement and hold myself accountable. And that's why I think you know, I talk about enlisting support because it's really hard to hold yourself accountable with everything in life. You know, I'll text you sometimes and be like, oh, what I need to do with my diet, you know, because it's hard to hold myself accountable with everything that you're doing when you're trying to live up to a big game. And doing it all alone is not as, as meaningful. So I have coaches with everything, you know. Still, to this day. Still. I still meet with the, the same emotional coach that, that supported me in kind of unlocking the pain and getting peace, freedom, and clarity. I still meet with her every two weeks. Do you think those those... Do you think peace, freedom, and clarity, do you think those three <clears throat> words will change for you? Do you think sure. it will yeah, sure evolve it will. into something different? I'm sure it will because I mm. feel those things. I embody those things. Yeah. So it's not what I want. I have it. I didn't have it before. Right. I was trying to buy peace. I was trying to give in so that someone would be happy that I could have peace. I wasn't being peace. Now I'm being peace when there is breakdowns. There's always going to be breakdowns right. and challenges and adversity. It's going to happen. The bigger the game, the bigger the breakdowns. And so it's, it's learning how to continue to <clears throat> be peace so that I can carry the weight more effortlessly. So it doesn't feel heavy. So it's just like, okay, this is just happening around me. But I accept and love myself from an authentic point of view. And, and I know I have the tools to manage this. Now, does it, you know, I've still got to take care of myself. You're and be still healthy. human, yeah, right? You still have all those, yeah. But, um, but knowing that I can go back to, to being peace at all times is the key. And, um, but I also think it's really important to have the accountability and the coaching, the support 
consistently once you have it. You know, the great athletes, they don't stop having coaching. They actually hire more coaches to support them when they're at the top, to stay at the top. So that's the, that's the key, just tweaking and testing and just, you know, elevating that. Mm. You know, as you, you think about all the tools, right, there's a number of assessments mm-hmm. in here. There's a number of assessments, and then there's also scheduling. Yes. I'm curious as to how you manage your scheduling, because you probably have a lot of people that are contacting you, and mm-hmm. don't you have a lot of people, you know, stepping in and, and wanting your time or yeah. energy? Yeah. How do you manage your schedule? Well, I, I, I created a yes-no list years ago, which is what I will say yes to if I believe it'll serve my meaningful mission. So step one is having a clear, meaningful mission, which is mine is to serve 100 million lives weekly to help them improve the quality of their life. So I'm clear in one sentence what my mission is for this season of life. And then I have a yes-no list. Okay, yes-no. Does, does saying yes to this serve this mission? Do you always go through that? It's more of like an internal like dialogue. Okay, like, got it. Uh, okay, I just quickly I can do that. Can but tell. I had to create a yes no list of being like, okay, does, and then of like what size of things. So before I used to say yes to like every speech. Now it's like okay, unless it hits a certain number, it's a no. Because your time is better exactly. spent yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Or or caveat, unless it's like a good friend and it's in L.A. and it's like I want to do it, then it's a yes. What about yeah. intuition? Do you ever feel called to? <clears throat> Um, say yes to something that maybe wouldn't have been what yeah, you would. Hundred percent. Yeah. Because you know, as you're evolving, and I think that you hear this a lot with some of the great yogis, mm-hmm. that they rely. There's so much space and clarity in their yeah. mind <clears throat> that they exactly. get a sense of. I don't. It's not the right and wrong thing to mm-hmm. a lot time to, <clears throat> but. I'll give an example. Yesterday, I was in between. I had my whole team here for the 10-year anniversary. I was in between three interviews that I did, talking to them, <clears throat> trying to go through like some scheduling stuff on my email or whatever with my team there. And I, I see a text from a friend of mine who says, hey, sends me a photo. He says, hey, I'm in New York City with a group of like finance guys. Their whole company uses your assessment from the School of Greatness book, a book that I wrote almost eight years ago, there was, a, there was an assessment in there. And he showed me the printed off thing, and then he showed me every one they had in there with their printed off thing with their goals and the scheduling sequence that I talk about in that book um, that I learned while playing football, actually. And so I go crazy. He goes, hey, can, do you have five minutes real quick to just like jump on FaceTime? They're like huge fans of yours. They all have your stuff. And I didn't have five minutes. I was like, ah, I gotta go run to this next interview. I had to prepare, my team is here, it was all in the room. But like the intuition was like, ah, maybe I'll just give him a call real quick. So I just FaceTime and I'm gonna say, hey guys, thanks so much. It literally felt like it was on the, uh, in a movie like The Boiler Room. It was like all these guys, like sales guys in a huge room and they're holding up the assessment with all their goals oh, so for the first call. quarter and the schedule. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. And uh, he says, congrats, guys. I hope you have a great quarter, this and this. And we just chatted for a couple minutes. And he goes, what would it take to you know, get you to come out here and talk to the team? Um, I go, listen, I got a book coming out right now. If you, you buy 1,000 copies, uh, I'll come out for a couple hours and we'll do like a little workshop. Um, I just kind of threw it out there. And he goes, done. Count me in for 1,000 copies. So I was like, if I didn't do that five-minute call, okay. I wouldn't have been able to connect with that team of people. Uh, I want to be able to make that sale of a thousand copies because he's like, we've got a big network. 
how many copies do you want? I said, uh, how about a thousand? Said, cool, done. I was like, I should have said two thousand, you know. <laughs> but I bet um, you they surprise you with two thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who knows? <clears throat> so I said that, and I said, yeah, I'm happy to come out for a couple hours and do like a workshop and just like be of service to you guys. And he said, cool, let's make it happen. So without having like, okay, I know this doing this is a distraction from what I was in the middle of that day. But I just felt like, okay, these guys are, are fans. They have my content. Let me just say hi real quick and, and, and make it happen. Not on my schedule, right? It wasn't planned. But that allowed me to connect with people mm. in a certain way. And they were like, hey, we'll buy books and, you know, a thousand copies if I didn't take that action. So that's, that is. That's just a one yesterday scenario. Yeah. But probably happens really frequently. Yeah, of course. And I allow, and, I, and I'm a big believer in synchronicities. Like they happen almost daily for me. Right. Did they have they always or do you, see, do you feel like the more clear that you get, yes, the more that they happen and you're just like, oh, this is now an expectation on a whole other level. They used to happen frequently, um, but really only when I was in a state of joy. And so a lot of my life, I was very joyful. But then when I would get in certain relationships or abandon myself too much, then I would be less joyful. I'd be like a you know a five, six, or seven out of ten, and then I have moments of joy, and that's when synchronicities and magic would happen. So once I was able to say, okay, I am peace, I am clear, I am free, because I I didn't feel peace, freedom, or clarity. I felt trapped in relationships, um, even when I wasn't I was never married or engaged. I still felt trapped because I didn't know how to communicate effectively to 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 not abandon myself. Because I just wanted to buy peace. And so I was just constantly in a cycle of abandonment of me, which caused me to not feel peace, freedom, or clarity. And so once I freed myself of those chains, it has been, <clears throat> you know, the last two years have been the biggest years of my business, you know, the biggest years of growth my, of me internally, and the most joy I felt. And I was a joyful guy, but it's like a freer sense of joy. And so the synchronicities happen constantly. And it's, it's mad. I'm, I, almost every day I'm like amazed of what emails I get. I'm like, who wants to do something with me or what opportunity? I'm just like, of course, yeah, of course, because I'm in a state of flow. And I think in order to get there, we've got to do the processes that I talk about in the book as well, which allow us to, to create peace and be in joy. It's hard to create synchronicities in your life if you're stressed. It's just really hard. And so for me, the more joy that I bring to moments, the more synchronicities come to me. You know, one of the other things that I <clears throat> love and have noticed about you mm. is you're always very present. Mm. And I know that you have five million, at least, things <clears throat> going on. Do you ever step out of that presence? And if you do, do you have strategies and tools to bring you back in? Mm. I think I think I step out of it at times when I'm in transition. So it's like, okay, if I'm once I'm done with this moment, I'm going to be in transition. You know, I'm going to go past <clears throat> I'm going to go past Mike and I'm going to say something and we'll connect for a moment, but I'm going to be thinking about where I need to go next because of the schedule. And so I'm not going to be sitting there like fully present right. with those in-between conversations. Mm -hmm. And unless I'm having a sit-down conversation where I'm like, okay, there's no distractions. So it's the in-between moments where I'm not as present, right? Where I might be on my phone talking to someone, where I'm doing walking and talking and I'm not looking at someone. But um, it's not like I'm beating myself up for that because you can't be present all the time right. at every moment. 
But the things that I'm scheduled and things I'm supposed to be at, I do my best to be fully present. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you got to live life and move around. So Yeah. Do you have a favorite part of this book? There's a section, there's a one page that um, I think will help everyone. That is a, it's kind of like a little assessment. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It's this page, which I think if people want to be great, and if they want to develop the greatness mindset, all they have to do is look at this one page, page 201. Uh, and a lot of times we're, we're ruled and run by the powerless mindset. The mindset that holds us back from our true greatness. And then, and I'll just show them, I'll share them quickly. Number one, we lack a meaningful mission. So if I believe if we are not clear in one sentence what our mission is for this season of life, we are less powerful. We're not stepping into our true greatness because we're not being thrust into the season's destiny, the season's mission. When I was broke on my sister's couch, uh, 2007 to 2009, I couldn't think beyond just making enough money to get my own apartment. My season for, and my mission that time was get off my sister's couch, make enough money to have my own apartment. That's all I could really think. Now I was helping and serving people and getting clients in the process to make money. So I still had to serve in that process, but I had a mission that was clear. So when we lack a meaningful mission, I believe we're wandering. We're aimlessly wandering in no man's land. And I don't think good things happen if we're just wandering. Absolutely. So that's, that's number one. We lack a meaningful mission. We're controlled by fear. I was controlled by fear most of my life. It doesn't mean I don't experience fear today, but I was controlled and consumed by it. And I made decisions based out of fear. And so if you feel controlled by that, that's going to hold you back from greatness. Crippled by self-doubt, that was my life. Mm. Crippled. And part of the, the mission of this book is to give people the tools to fully believe in themselves, even when they're doubting. And I think self-doubt's the killer of dreams. They conceal past pains. I had the most masks of anyone of projecting an image of what I wanted people to see and believe me to be, because I was so afraid if they knew my pain, they wouldn't love or accept me. So I would conceal past pains. I was inauthentic. I was still a loving, joyful guy, but I was afraid to to share those things with the people I cared about. I was defined by the opinions of others. That's another thing. If we are defined by people, people are gonna have opinions of us, but if that becomes our, our definition and when we're defined by that, that holds us back and they drift towards complacency. That's a powerless mindset. The greatness mindset is driven by a meaningful mission. Again, one sentence, what is your meaningful mission? We give you those tools on how to create that. They turn fears into confidence. I'm a big fan of just creating a list of all your fears every year and saying, what is the thing that holds me back the most? Let me go all in on that. Love that. Become the Batman of this fear. So it's a power of mine, not something that makes me feel powerless. And that's a constant thing we get to do at different seasons of life. They overcome their self-doubt by identifying these things and, and they start to heal past pains. I never wanted to heal the past because I didn't want to face it. Right. I just wanted to move on. But the movie kept playing in my mind of all these scenarios of my life at different stages. And so I would just try to mask it. I would try to go past it. I would try to not think about it anymore. But the, the thought of being sexually abused in a bathroom by the babysitter's son would keep popping up and would keep me up at night. And I would just try to push past it until I actually faced it. And, 
and face it in a way where I can start to heal and create meaning from the trauma. Um, the greatness mindset, they create a healthy identity about themselves. And when I mean healthy identity, it's really like conscious alignment, you know, and, and making good decisions and beliefs about who you are in this world. And then they take action with a game plan. That's why we have a whole section on the greatness game plan. But that for me is stepping into the greatness mindset. When you can lean into those things, these are all uncomfortable things. Sure. These are all things that are scary, challenging, and, cause, and you need a lot of courage to do them. And um, this does not mean you're a bad person or you're wrong if you're not doing them right now or you're never going to be great or you're you know useless in the world because I was the opposite of these things for most of my life. I was the opposite. I was living in the powerless mindset. And I was still effective in life, right? I still had great moments. I still had great memories, great uh, meaning. I still was joyful and loving. Um, I had fun, all these things. So it's not like I had a meaningless life, but I wasn't stepping into the highest power that I know I was capable of living that way. And so I've just been on the journey to discover how to break free of that. You know, do your friends ask you and talk to you about <clears throat> their own mindset? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, it's interesting because I notice a different energy about me, specifically in the last year. And I, I don't think I've ever received this much feedback from my close friends ever in the, in the last you know, six months or a year, where people are really like, I don't know what you're doing, but like you just seem really peaceful. Mm -hmm. Like you just seem like free. <laughs> you seem very clear. And I'm like, well, that's what I wanted, you know? <laughs> Peace, freedom, and clarity. And, um, and I just said, man, I've just been on a healing journey. And the more I dive into it and the more I integrate it, because as a journey, it's not like a one-time event where I'm healed and everything's perfect. It's like, it's gonna be a constant journey for the rest of my life. And staying on top of it allows me to feel peaceful. Staying in my practice of meditation, moving my body, working out, eating good things, having the courageous conversations when I don't want to, like stepping into it creates peace. I have challenging conversations with Martha, my girlfriend, all the time. But it's because we have them, it's not lingering inside of me and, and anxiety, it's like we have them and I feel peace. So it's stepping into courage consistently. And the more consistently I do it, the easier it becomes. Do you think the meditation has helped you integrate? 100%. And I was just talking to a this physicist uh, yesterday, two days ago on the show. And he was like, listen, you know, in terms of physics and quantum physics and all these things, we need to be still. You know, everything is still connected, even if you're thinking of science. Like, you've got to still yourself. You've got to be in nature. And so even the, the scientists are saying, the physicists are saying, meditate, be still, be in nature. Mm -hmm. Not just the spiritual yogis. And there's so much evidence based on science of why being still calms the body, calms the mind to allow you to create from a clear place, not a distracted, stressful place. Mm. So I'm, I practice it consistently. Sometimes I do it longer, sometimes I do it shorter, but um, it's, again, synchronicities keep opening up when I do it more frequently. And I'm just like, okay, why would I wanna stop feeling these feelings then? Mm. So I just try to keep being consistent. It would be like if I stopped doing the School of Greatness 10 years later. Well, I've done it for 10 years. Maybe I should just <laughs> do it once every six months. You know, maybe I shouldn't interview 
every week. I just do it once in a while. Then I want to get the benefits of learning, of, of learning something new. And I want to get the benefits of serving other people. Other people would suffer or other people wouldn't have access to the content. Maybe they want to suffer, but they wouldn't have access to information because I didn't want to be consistent. Mm. So, yeah. You know, we were chatting a, a bit before we sat down here mm -hmm. about destiny mm -hmm. versus, you know, is this just what happens because of hard work? And I'm curious, what do you think this is your destiny? Do you feel almost as <clears throat> if a conduit? Yeah, I feel like, the, well, I feel like it's interesting because when I was 16, I always wanted to be an athlete and I wanted to inspire people through my artistic expression on the field or the court. I looked at myself as an artist athlete because when I would do, you know, inspiring things on the football field, people would come up to me and be like, that was so inspiring how you overcame this challenge. You made this play, you scored the touchdown. Like it gives me so much hope in my life. I would hear stories like this. I was like, wow, I didn't know I was actually impacting people in their life by my performance. But this, you know, two hour window or four hour window of time where they get to watch a sporting event and inspired them based on how they, and they'd be like, you know, the, how you lifted up your component, like after you just demolished them to the ground and then you picked them up or you carry someone off the field, your, your, sportsmanship inspired me or whatever it was like your attitude all these things your hustle inspired me to go do this i was like okay i want to be a pro athlete and just inspire people through this process yes i want to win and be successful but i, I want to inspire people too and i remember when i was 16 my dad got me two tickets to go see tony robbins my mom and and, and me and there was a three-day event and he had like all these speakers he was in st louis missouri there's probably 15,000 people there. It was like a big arena. It was like a hockey arena. He had, he had all these like world championship coaches and, you know, billionaires and all this stuff come and speak. Um, I remember it was like Larry King was there and then I've interviewed Larry King. Donald Trump was there. It was kind of funny. It was like 25 years ago or something. And um, it was the first kind of event I'd been to, kind of like inspirational event. And I remember after like the second day, Tony came off the stage. I was maybe sitting like half court, if you're on a hockey court, the middle of the court on the ground <clears throat> in chairs. And he walked off stage and kind of came back. He had to walk for like five minutes to get to me, right? But it was kind of farther. And he stopped right next to me. He didn't look at me, but he just stopped right next to me in the aisle and was speaking out above me, like kind of to the whole audience. And I just remember being like looking up at him and thinking, Man, this guy's got incredible energy. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what he said. I don't remember like the, the thing he said. I don't know if it was profound or not, but I remember like the energy he had and his ability to radiate energy and impact people with his light, with his message. And I was just like, man, I want to be able to do that in whatever capacity I do in the future. I was thinking as an athlete. I didn't think I'd be a speaking ever because I didn't have the courage to speak at that mm -hmm. time. But I was like, I want to be able to impact people in that way. Whether I work at a company or as an athlete or whatever, I want to be able to have energy that impacts people. And so, and I've told him that story many times because I've interviewed him. And every time I interview him and see him, I tell him that story. But um, I think that was like an early seed planted of like what was possible. 
Or what was coming. Or what was coming, maybe. Even. Yeah, because I felt drawn to it. I was like, oh, wow, I want to be able to, I want to do this, but I have zero confidence in myself to do what he does. And in no way am I, have I tried to be Tony Robbins because I don't want to speak on stages, you know, for five days, for 12-hour days. That's not my, <laughs> that's not what I want. Right. But I wanted to have the, the ability to impact people in a, in, a, in a way that radiates through the world. And so, yeah, I think I was called to it, maybe inspired by that. And I was like, okay, you know, he doesn't have like a podcast or something where he's interviewing people. That was my calling. It was like, I want to be at this season. I want to interview people and learn. What's coming next is going to be more of that, but I'll be stepping into whatever I'm drawn to do. And there might be another seed that's being planted you know this year, is? next year. I have some some ideas. Um, some premonition. Yeah, I mean, I, I really believe that. I really believe that I'm going to be making bigger, conscious documentaries. Um, and I've been thinking that for a long. And I, you know, I watched The Secret when I was, you know, younger. And I've always been inspired by documentaries that mm -hmm. that tell a story and move me emotionally into action and so i believe that um you know one day i'll be doing more documentary type work and you know uh, martha has been doing movies for a long time yeah so i was just thinking that how wild so she's you know she's she knows this world and and so i feel like i'll be doing more stuff with her in the future around mm -hmm. conscious content so so amazing. But that's yeah, it's just what the seeds have been planted, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. If you um, had a wish for people to take away three main points of this book, obviously we want them to take away everything. Yeah. But if there was a, um, a mission, a wish, what, what would that be? Three things I want people to know is that they are loved, they are worthy, and they matter. Because I believe... Um, it's hard to feel peace, freedom, and clarity if you don't believe those things. And this book, I truly believe, if you're able to go through it and implement it and integrate it, it may not happen overnight, but it's a process. If you can get to a place of loving yourself, knowing that you matter and you're worthy, then you're going to be able to be unstoppable yeah. in your actions and your pursuits in life. You're going to be conscious in your communication with the people you care about and people that frustrate you in life. You're going to stop abandoning yourself uh, when you're giving in to scenarios that don't serve you or your mission. And so that's what I want people to understand, that they're loved, they're worthy, and they matter. You know, I tell my daughter those things. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I'll actually, I'm going to send you a video. She actually yeah. goes through five things. Wow, that's beautiful. She's strong and kind, courageous, worthy, and loved. Amazing. I She's love it. She's three and a half. That's amazing. So um, this book is amazing and thank you i'm curious is there anything that got left out that you struggled with wanting to put in uh, maybe lost chapter mm. something there is more content that we didn't put in there but i'm always the type of person i'm like how do we simplify it how do we simplify it and not add more to make it more complex but how do we cut down and shorten it like i would I would shorten even more if I could to simplify it because I need things to be simple for me when they're complex. And so that was my intention. How I simplify and simplify and simplify the challenges, you know, the challenging concepts into something that is so fundamental and so basic that anyone could do. So I don't think I left anything out. Okay. This is the most proud I've felt about any project I've done.
I felt like I left things out of my previous two books. Like, I feel like, oh man, I could have added this or that. But at this moment, I feel like after 10 years, this is everything I wish I had 10 years ago. Incredible. I I can't wait to see what's in the book after uh, in the next 10 years. Yeah, I know. We'll see what happens. Well, there's, there's, you know, I also haven't lived a lot of life in terms of I've never been married. I don't have kids. But I've interviewed a lot of people who have those experiences. You, you could borrow my children anytime. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so there's going to be a different, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to be in a different mission probably. There's yeah. going to be a different season that I'm in and reflecting on. But for people that are doubting themselves or feel like they want to accomplish more and they want to feel like they have total peace, freedom, and clarity, um, this is what I wish I had a lot long ago. Well, Lewis, I can speak for nearly everybody. The world is lucky to have you. Thank you. You make the world better. Thank you. Doing my best. And I'm going to link everything. And obviously, we're going to help support just so this can reach more people. Appreciate you. Thank you. The Dr. Gabrielle Lyon podcast and YouTube are for general information purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast, YouTube, or materials linked from the podcast or YouTube is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice For any medical condition, they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professional for any such conditions. This is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only.